Oh, den här Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, my, my mind doesn't go that far. <laughs> but it's, he's, yeah, it's just, just a wonderful God. He's got a, a lot and a lot of time for his children. Yeah. And you could mess up a, a squillion and one times and he'll still be there as patient as ever and yeah. willing to walk with you. Welcome to Dusty Sandals, where each week we chat with someone who's walked with Jesus and has a story to tell. This week we're chatting with Zed Ristevsky. How you going, Matt? Good, buddy. So you and I know each other. We've um, we've known each other for a couple of years, I think. Um, and every time I chat with you, uh, and hear a bit more of your story with Jesus, um, I'm kind of I'm always intrigued. You know, there's it's not a boring experience that you've had with God. I want to share this this with the rest of the world. So um. Let's get started now. Where would you say your story with Jesus kind of really begins? Uh, roughly about nine years ago is when I gave my life to Christ. Were you a Christian before that in any way, like church going? or? Yeah, raised in a, 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 the Orthodox Church. Didn't okay. have yeah. too much to do with it. Right. Um, it was kind of more of a, uh, you'd attend just christenings and weddings. Like as people joke, say you hashed, matched, and dispatched is the only times you yeah, sort of okay. attend church. Christmas and Easter as well, or oh, occasionally. I think it was yeah. more Easter than Christmas. Okay, yeah, it was cool. a bit of a bit of a tradition, but uh, yeah. All right, so you've done that beforehand, and then was it nine, ten years ago? You said something happens with your brother. Tell us yeah, about that. Yeah, um, at my parents' place, usually get together there on on Sunday for lunch, or every second Sunday for lunch, and we're outside in the backyard after lunch, just having a chat. And he, which was a bit unusual to me, he'd sworn, but then sort of corrected himself. And that, and that's not the brother I've known for so many years. He okay. he swore like a sailor. Right. So and I just sort of grabbed my attention like, what are you apologizing about? You know, it's. Yeah, yeah. And that's when it all sort of started. And he came out and said, you know, I've, I've you know, I've had an experience with God and, and this and that. And um, and like Jesus is real. Hmm. And it was, uh, if, if I can sort of put it to the. The story of uh, Andrew and Simon, is it? And one of them goes up to call his brother and say, "Hey, you know, we've, you know, we found the Messiah." And it was kind of like that, that kind of a setting. Yeah. Okay. Um, and as soon as he mentioned to me that Jesus is real, something—it's like a light switched on in me. Yeah. Something just grabbed me, and I was just like, all senses open and, and just ready to listen. Okay. Um. And he'd sort of just give me a very quick spiel on, on obviously, Jesus and this and that, a bit on the gospel. And he said, instead of me trying to explain it as, as best as he could, we went inside and, and he'd show me a, a gospel message. I think it was like 10-minute gospel message, Mark Finley or somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. And that really just opened my eyes. And from um, yeah, from there on, I remember going home and not knowing what to do. And it just, it's just it was stuck in my mind. I couldn't get it out of there. Mm. And I called up my brother and I was like, hey, you know, how do I go about this and that? And what do I do? And he's like, well, if you're serious about it, just, you know, give your life to Christ. Right. And it was there and then I pretty much dropped on my knees and said, Lord, you know, I'm, you know, I'm all yours. I, yeah. I didn't really know what to say, what to do at that extent. It was yeah. as much as I'd understood. Wow, wow. My walk, I would say, started roughly about three months after that point. Um, yeah, right. I knew that my brother saw, he started to open up and say that he, he started to attend the church where they go on Saturday on the Sabbath. Okay. Never heard of that before. Yeah, yeah. And I'd, I'd accepted the Sabbath by reading in, in the Bible. Obviously, I got my own Bible on, on phone on that and reading. And I was pretty much convinced listening to sermons that, all right, Saturday's the, the true Sabbath. I, I, can, I can accept that. Okay. But I really struggled within that first three months, that period of attending 
another denomination. I, I couldn't get my head around that. It was like it was fear, and there's a lot of things uh, that that involved. Because you've got that Macedonian, you know, strong cultural background, yeah, yeah, right? And the yeah. Orthodox stuff that's like deeply rooted in yeah, that. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. So. so it was it was just hard. It was a yeah. It, it was kind of like. What am I going to say to you? Know, how's how's the missus? How are the parents? How they're all going to kind of take this? So it was, yeah, so it was a lot of stuff. Yeah, it was a lot of stuff in the back of my mind. Um, and I was three months in, and I'd, I'd occasionally attend the Orthodox Church on the Sabbath because I, thought, I know it's not Sunday. The Sabbath is the Lord's Day. This is the day He's given, so I'm going to go to church on this day. So was there anyone mind, there? Well, <laughs> it was actually the last time that I went there. I'd probably only been four times within that three months. Let's say at an estimate, yeah. four or five times. And the last time it was. It was the warmer seasons, and it was, and I think the Lord made it stand. It was myself and a fly in the church, you know, just myself okay. and the fly. I didn't even see a priest walking. <laughs> Nobody was there, right, okay. and it was like a reality check. Like, like, what are you doing? And I, it made me feel a bit silly. Okay. And I think just the Lord gave me the strength and the courage to say, okay, look, you know, you've you've trolled this. You know that it isn't right. And like, what are you doing here? There's there's yeah, there's, right. there's sort of in a sense nothing going on. You're not going to grow like this. You mentioned the gospel before. You had like that that ten minute gospel video that, where the gospel was presented mm, to you. Mm. What, what what do you see the gospel as? What does it mean to you? The gospel to me is um, Christ coming down to earth and saving me from the great big mess which I've caused. Yeah, right. That's that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. Something that I I can't I can't clean up. And if I try and do it in my own strength, I'm just spreading the mess and making it worse. Yeah, wow. So he came down and did it in a way that just made it perfect. Hmm. All right. So you have that initial experience. You um, see the gospel, the good news that Jesus has, has come down here. He's died for your sins to cover your filthy sort of mess up, you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start to accept God in your life. You get down on your knees. What kind of happens after after that? Um, in your in your life, does anything actually change, or is it just like, yeah, on Saturdays I go to church now? Yeah, there was definitely change. Um, going to a different denomination, obviously, just if you can sort of put it, just learning the ropes, just trying to learn how to live and walk as a Christian. Right. Um, never taken Christianity serious in any way, as as, a, as a, in my past life or prior to that point, giving my life to Christ. Yeah. Um, Easter was just very it was the only time between Easter and Christmas the only time we ever really got together but it wasn't very Christ based it wasn't very strong or centered around Christ it was mostly like cultural and family yeah emphasis. in a sense yeah. yeah getting together family getting together yeah. um, which is a wonderful thing but oh, yeah. it, it it didn't sort of bring out it didn't sort of I didn't see sort of Christ shine out any of that there was no uh, in any scripture at all whatsoever to give yeah, any light to him will sort of bring him out and show yeah. that he's the foundation to it. Yeah, yeah. So um yeah, it's just trying to learn through um through the Adventist Church now, um yeah, what Christianity truly is, what it really is. And just trying to get my head around all that. There there were definitely um yeah, challenges. The missus was sort of struggling with that. Yeah, right. Definitely. Because she's from that same background. Yeah. Right? Same background. Macedonian Orthodox, yeah. yeah. And obviously not having the experience that I had. Yeah. Um obviously the Holy Spirit, which I know now, had grabbed a hold of me then. And it was pretty much drawing me in that direction. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't something that I just wanted to give up or throw away. Or I knew it was something, something amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, the challenges sort of began. At, uh, the research I was doing was maybe in in the, in some some areas I'd, I'd consider being wrong. I'd, I'd started to really change or try to forcefully change who I was. 
tried to forcefully create myself into someone that I wasn't meant to be. I've seen this before. Like someone becomes um, convinced that God is real, that the Bible is like his word. They jump right in and they get super enthusiastic Mm. and they go, I'm going to change absolutely everything. Mm. And then they sort of pause later on and they go, oh, wait. I think it was like me trying to change me. Yeah. Is that kind of how it was? Pretty much. You could say that I sent the Holy Spirit on holidays uh-huh, for, right. for good, at least at least two, three, four years Okay, um, and, and tried to eat the right way, dress the right, right way, act the right way. It was like a big checklist type system, you know, just ticking, saying, yeah, I went to church on the Sabbath. Yeah, I took the tithe and offerings and I partook in this yeah. and I did that. And, and yeah, I was, I was really good to my family on that day. And it, it, it wasn't, very real. Okay. It was like living in a bit of an act. Yeah, right. You know, it, it's, it was difficult. It's like walking on eggshells in a sense. And I realized now I was just trying to please God in a way or trying to have him accept me. Yeah. And I felt that I needed to work my way up that that stairway to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which, well, I realized now was uh, a big mistake. It happens, yeah, for a lot of people, I think. Mm. Would, would you say that you had like a genuine experience with God initially? like, And what was that like? Oh, like he was definitely there um, every step of the way. And, and I believe in those beginning stages, he was a lot stronger. Right. Or his presence was made a lot stronger than it is now. I think what it's- does that feel like? Like people sometimes wonder, you know, when you, when you say you have an experience with God, what was your experience? And you talk about the Holy Spirit in particular. Mm. Um, by the way, for those of you who aren't Christians yet, um, God sort of same person, three parts, Holy Spirit, um, Son and Father. It's kind mm. of a basic rundown. But mm-hmm. you talk about the Holy Spirit when you talk about your story. What was it like when the Holy Spirit came into your life? Well, it, it was it was like a real thing. Uh, with some people, I know the experience is just from what they read in Scripture and they're convinced in that. More of a head um, thing. Yeah, yeah, but with me, it was um, not being very big with reading. Uh, it was just, it was an actual connection. There was a spiritual connection. It was from the get-go. As soon as, as I mentioned back when uh, my brother had mentioned that, like, Jesus is the real deal, as like click, like a light went on, something switched on in me, yeah, in me and, yeah. and from there on, it, it really hasn't left me. Um, it was just a lot stronger in the beginning stages. What did it feel like? Um it really depends. It's at some moments when I was going through really tough times. It's just sometimes a sense of peace. Yeah, right. Sometimes it's just a great sense of peace which I cannot explain. I can't. No words can. So like peace can that's do independent of like the things that are going on around you. you oh know, yeah, peace definitely. In the middle of a storm, kind definitely. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. More or less. Okay. It's just like a calm. Like your mind could be racing a million miles an hour, and there's a lot on my plate, and there's a lot going on around me, mm-hmm. and it's just like something just reaches in and takes it all away, just switches it off. I think a lot of people crave that, mm. crave peace. A lot of people in this world mm. crave peace. You're a lucky man to have found it um, and that God, yeah, found you where you were and mm. started you on that journey. So so you go through that initial experience, you have a genuine connection with God as as you let him into your life. You sort of go off on this this track after that, though, where you're sort of like, oh, yeah, and God, I really want to make you proud. I'm going to be the best possible Christian. And you get distracted. Mm. How does it? How, do you, how does God bring you back to a point where you realize, once again, what the gospel is all about? Oh, there's been many moments. And, and to this day, I suppose I still have my struggles. It's just I don't initially realize I'm starting to kind of veer off track. Yeah, and I probably just start 
getting involved in obviously nothing ridiculous. It's just things that aren't Christ-centered, if I can put it in that way. Mm. And I just become lazy. I'm not going to read as much then, and I'm not going to pray so much then. And and then you just it just slowly starts to spiral downwards and downwards. And then you realize that in a week's time, you become a little bit more stressed. It's just things aren't right. Things aren't right. You're just not at peace. You're not. You're telling me that you're not a perfect Christian after ten years. Yeah, <laughs> you know the answer to that. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think every Christian yeah, shares that experience where they go, "Yeah, um, God, God is 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 in my life, but I, I I'm like a sheep that tends to wander away from the shepherd, and mm-hmm. then he, he comes and he finds me over in the corner of the field out yeah. there on his own and, and brings me back. Um, and yet you you seem to have a very strong appreciation these days of God's grace. You know, you and I often talk about God's grace. Mm. Um, tell us about that journey. Is it the last few years kind of thing you've you've had this sort of deeper understanding that God's given you of his grace? Yeah, I thought, at first, obviously, like everybody, you, you're, you're learning, um, trying to figure out God's true character right. um, outside of my initial understanding of who God is. What was your initial understanding, by the way? How would you describe uh, that? Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't take it as far as someone up there with a big buzzer in his hand and just waiting to zap someone when they mess up. Yeah, yeah. But in a sense, it wasn't maybe far off that either. Okay. Yeah. It was something along those lines that if you messed up, you're in trouble. As, as maybe um, like you know, you, a guy that sort of frowned and looked down upon you, saying, "Oh, why did you do that?" and just like frustrated with you or something. Yeah, right. And that's maybe where I got that. I need to impress God and, and walk in a way that you know, yeah. keep me in the good books and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that was uh, that was my my first understanding of of who he was, mm. um, and and it was a it was a big it was a big battle. Um, obviously, the devil's pulling one way and God's pulling in the other, and me in the middle trying to figure out. Obviously, sometimes it's pretty obvious when the who's the devil, and then who's God. But then when you sort of come into that medium sort of place, it's like uh, you know who's who in in all this. Yeah. And sometimes you make that 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 wrong. You make the mistake. Yep. You you say the wrong thing, you do the wrong thing, whatever it may be, um, and then you realize, hang on, that wasn't God. And I think He allows us to to take that journey and learn, yeah, learn from that. And that took years, and then to realize who God really is and how merciful He truly is. Um, I'm trying to sum it all up in like a couple of minutes yeah. here, but it was. Yeah. There are some moments were just so ugly, um, okay. and really difficult. Yep. Um, it really brings you to like the the very edge. But but that's when he'd shine most. Right. That's when he'd shine most and, yeah. and really reveal himself when I'd messed up big time and pretty much at the point where you're just about to give up. Like, I've, you know, I've really just about had enough, you know, yeah. and and you just have the presence of this wonderful God and he'll reveal something to me in scripture and, and it'll just blow me away. Mm-hmm. And over time, he's actually revealed himself and who he is, who he truly is. Right. He's not who I'd originally anticipated at first, definitely not. So you originally talked about him like this, Maybe a god almost with his finger on a buzzer. Mm. How would you describe him now? Oh, there's no words to describe how beautiful he is. He's just really patient, patient, kind. Oh, I wouldn't know how to put it. Yeah, yeah. My vocabulary, my, my mind doesn't go that far. <laughs> but it's, he's, yeah, it's just, just a wonderful god. He's got a, a lot and a lot of time for his children. Yeah. And you could mess up a, a squillion and one times, and he'll still be there as patient as ever and yeah. willing to walk with you. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
What does a day in the life of Zed look like um, these days? You, know, you build caravans for mm-hmm. a living. You're a, you're a carpenter. Yep. Um, you go to work. You know, what does a day in the life of, of Zed look like when it comes to God? Um, it's well, it's it's been a a thing of mine to wake up early in the morning and and spend time um, with God, devotional time in the morning. So I, I get up bright and early. Mm. Uh, so I've, I get that devotional time of roughly an hour and a half or around there. Is that because you have to or because you want to? Uh, no. Oh, look, maybe at first it was yeah. a bit of both. Yeah. It was a bit of both maybe. I felt like I had to, mm. but I did want to also. Um, but now it's just wanting to. It's yeah. just wanting to get closer, just wanting that closer connection, that relationship with Christ. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wake up early in the morning and having three young kids, uh, that's the only quiet time I actually see in the house because mm. nobody's up at like 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. Um, so I, I get that quality time with God. Um and then obviously you're off to work, uh, but it doesn't end there. Um, when I go to work, I, even though obviously I've got my duties to work, but I don't I don't give up and just put God on the on the back burner. Well, I do eight to ten hours. It's um, still still spend as much time as I can with Him, in the midst of all that. Mm. Uh, just prayer time, um, things come to mind to pray about. I've got a bit of a mind's pretty much like a routine set when it comes to prayer. So I, I've sort of got my set prayers that I've kind of got when I'm at work and prayers that I have in the morning and, and you know, after lunch and mm-hmm. on my breaks, obviously I spend time and I try and, you know, just read a bit of scripture, whatever it may be, just to help me, yeah, yeah. stay connected. Is one of those prayers kind of like, hey, Lord, help me not to shoot this nail <laughs> through my through my own finger? Yeah, oh, there have been those moments, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you feel like God impacts you as a father and as a husband? Is there much of a difference there, like before Jesus compared to now? Oh, definitely. Um no longer self-focused. Tell us about it. It's um, yeah. it. It wasn't all. Can't say it was all self-focused back then. Obviously, you, you love your family. You you want the best for your for your family. But a lot of it was. All right, I'm going to do it like this because it's sort of my way. And it was always about some, me getting something out of it too, in a sense. Yeah. But now it's not. It's it's God. He's made it loud and clear to me. Um, it's it's just sort of sit and listen sometimes and just focus on them. Sometimes they'll want me to do things that I don't want to do, mm-hmm. um, and and it's not all about me. Yeah. So I go and do that, and and um, and that's how he works with me. Um, regardless, sometimes I probably do things he doesn't like, but he's there with me twenty four seven. True. Um, yeah, and it's just um, just to love them the best way I know how, mm. and not as I said in the beginning stages, trying to push them and have them eat a certain way, do this and watch only that, and try and live a certain way. All that's kind of been pushed aside and just sort of left in his hands. Yeah. yeah. But um, it's it's just to love them as best way I know how. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about the gumballs. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, that that was a, a pretty uh, uh, an exciting experience, if I could, I could say that, the least exciting. Um, <laughs> it was school holidays. I remember having a day off from work that day, um, and kids have asked for for something like lollies or whatever. So I've given them all a gumball and up. Fairly kind of large gumballs, and with the three boys, so they've all got a gumball, and they're all off into the front room, and I'm sort of up at the back of the house, and they're mucking around, making noise, and and it gotten quiet at one stage, and I didn't realise, like obviously, I didn't know something had happened, mm. and Dean, obviously a middle child, was you know jumping around on the couch, and as he sort of jumped and landed on his backside, this big gumball has sort of gone down his down sort of his, his throat, but it's sort of lodged itself. How old was he at this point? About four years ago, I'd say roughly around that. Probably is about yeah, about eight years old, okay. roughly. Eight years old, gumball down the throat. Yeah, and yeah. obviously because it's it's not so wide there. He's just a kid. The gumball's lodged itself. 
just past where his lungs are, or the windpipe, whatever you'd call it, where you breathe from. Yeah, right. So he's still able to breathe and, and, and um, kind of talk, but it, you've got something lodged in your throat. Yeah. And so the kids are panicking. And about a minute or, or two into it, older son Christopher comes up and says, Dad, we've got a problem. Dean's got he's got the lolly stuck in his throat. I'm thinking, stuck in his throat. And I realized, like, these are pretty big gumballs. Yeah. Uh, note to self, don't give large lollies to kids. <laughs> <laughs> so... I've called him and he's come around. Like obviously, we've met halfway. Obviously, where the um the the powder room is. And I was like, well, what's wrong? So he's telling me I've I've got like the lolly stuck in my in my throat. Yeah. And we're trying to do things. And in the meantime, it's probably been like three, four, nearly five minutes now. And the saliva is running down his throat. And you can hear that he's starting to kind of like gargle or choke on his own saliva because yeah. he can't swallow it and it's building up and it's getting to where he's trying to breathe from. Wow. And so now it's 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 panic time. Yeah. And and it just reality set in. By the time you get this kid to the hospital, um, it's more or less game over. Yeah. And we're pretty much there in the powder room, and he couldn't get rid of this thing. And so it's been a good at least five minutes now. I've dropped to my knees, and I, I just knew what I needed. To, and I just said, God, I really need your help. Like we're stuck, and like Dean's in trouble. And, and as soon as I, you're praying out loud yeah, in front of the boys. Wasn't screaming it out, but yeah. it was there. They 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 pretty much heard. It was yeah. wasn't loud, but it was kind of soft in a sense. It, it, but they definitely heard because we're all there. We're all stuck in the powder room. Paul Dean's as white as a ghost. He's yeah. pale. I said, God, like, I really need your help. And as soon as I, I barely even ended my prayer, and it only went for like five seconds, and I'd seen Dean as I'd gotten my sort of just head up, he'd turn around and just, it just sort of come out. He'd spewed it, but he didn't sort of spew. This wasn't like full on vomit, but it just came out. Yeah. And it was like relief at first, like, wow, that, that's just, like, my heart was in my throat. Your, yeah. your son's sitting there, and it's, it's you know, and, and there's, there's nothing we can physically do to help this kid. Yeah. Um, and it was a lesson I said to the kids, well, there you go. Even though we don't see God, when the going gets tough and you really need him, he shines, he's there. Because it sounds like it was just a matter of seconds between you saying amen in your prayer. And, and, and Yeah, I turned around and I, and I just heard this thing bounce off the toilet bowl. And, I mean, and what are the, the odds toilet. of that timing? It's like if it was going to come out. Um, You're talking a good nearly five minutes in, so yeah, that was, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I like hearing those sorts of stories. Yeah. So, so that shows your kids a bit about... Um, yeah, you know what God has become in your life, I guess, yeah. at that moment. Yeah, yeah, because you've had this experience with God at that point, but they mm-hmm. haven't yet. Mm. Um, that's right. That's cool. Tell me about—is there like—is there ever any doubt in you about God? Do you ever go, "Oh, God, are you actually there? Have I just made you up in my own head?" No, not not. I think due to my past experiences, especially in the very beginning, I've never really doubted His existence. Right. Um, no, de- definitely not doubted. Yeah. Maybe misunderstood. Yeah. I'd yeah. probably misunderstood, yeah, but, but doubted, no. Yeah, right. All right, so I know you've got lots of God stories. Can you can you share a couple more with us? One, uh, roughly about five years ago, I'd say, a uh, gentleman that I actually attended uh, church with up um, uh, in the city, North Fitzroy. Oh, yeah. Uh, worked with him part-time for a little while. And I remember being booked in for a job. It was um, It was for a Friday. Okay. And as it sort of come nearer to the end of the week, I noticed sort of like flu symptoms coming on. And as it got to about Thursday morning, I started to feel like, okay, this really is starting to look like the flu. Mm-hmm. And then as it come pretty much to Thursday night, I'm starting to feel pretty wrecked. Like, yeah, wow, yeah, like yeah. I've, I've given this guy no notice now and I've realized now I've, I've got the flu and I'm stuffed. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're two people and it needed two people to get the job done. What sort of work was it? Um... Like shelving relocation, did a lot of stuff with RMIT, big firms in the city. Okay. Yeah. Just, yeah, basically stuff like that. Right. Workstations and, and yeah. Heavy work. Like yeah. Yeah, pretty heavy work. So mm-hmm. you needed two people. 
and so I've prayed about it Thursday night I've prayed about it um, I've let him know the situation I said look I'm, I'm pretty run down I'm hoping that I'll be okay for, for tomorrow for work and so I've prayed about it Thursday night like I'm pretty like I get really achy like with the flu they call it the man flu yeah, uh, yeah. just sore bones just really stuff no energy mm. um, it's like dragging your own weight around so, and effort and so I've prayed about it Lord like I, I need your help this is the situation you know Graham's going to be stuck yeah. um, you know what's a guy going to do no, no notice to try and get another worker and more or less along those lines, I prayed for a little while. And so I've, I've woken up the next morning, right as rain, hmm. nothing. So I get up, it's, you know, you know, have my breakfast and everything. I'm, I'm feeling perfect, like I didn't even have the flu. Yeah, right. So I'm just, I'm, I'm wrapped up thinking, oh, great, it's gone, you know, it's, you know, the flu's gone, stuck around for, you know, like two days through, two and a half days, something like that, and, and, and it's gone. So I've gone to work, we've, you know, done our work, and I, obviously, hard yak, our lift and stuff mm-hmm. around. And so the Friday's gone, feeling all good. Friday night, perfect. Wake up Saturday morning, I'm as sick as a dog. Whoa. The flu, it's its like praying for that help. The only thing I can think of is like God had paused it for 24 hours <laughs> to give this guy a hand because it's a big contract and he can't let, like RMIT, you know, you move in a big section in a library. You can't just tell him, hey, you know, sorry, stop. You know, this guy's got the flu. Yeah. Um, or I can't find workers. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, blessed in that sense. Hmm. That, um, uh, yeah, yeah. So, but God so wasn't good enough to you that He actually like fully took it away, and He's like, "Here you go, so you don't need the flu this year." <laughs> yeah, <Derek>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't complain. I was, I was actually glad. It was just surprising, though. Yeah. I think if it um, if it worked out that the flu didn't come back, I would have just probably even thought in the back of my mind, "Well, yeah, well, I probably was blessed." But it lasted a couple of days, but then it had gone. Hmm. But then to notice that it was back on the next the next morning as I'd woken up, I was yeah. sick and sore. Raises like, "Wow, how's that?" It's that, like God had sort of hit the pause button. I know that is unusual. I've never had that happen before, where it's just you you're fully sick with the flu. Mm. It stops for completely, right? Completely. You, you completely. never have any aches or, or pains no, at all. That, no symptoms whatsoever. Yeah, that's weird. Nothing. That's really Nothing. weird. Yeah. That, that, that amazed me completely yeah <laughs> yeah tell us about the car accident okay yeah um they used to run in some some pretty fast circles and yeah you you were one of those young guys you were super into cars right yeah at one stage yeah yeah yeah, was, yeah. what sort of cars did you scene. did you have um on myself what cars did i have mm. uh, uh just turbos was, was the thing that i was into yeah um, just the old, uh, the old Holden, uh, the VL turbos. I was into sort of cars like that, V8s okay. and and yeah. certain things. It was more the Holdens, yeah, okay, stuff like that. So there was there was one event. Uh, I'd say about twenty five years ago now. Mm. I was about seventeen, I'd say. I was around there, and we we're at Logan Street Festival with a friend, or actually a couple of friends. And I remember obviously big scene walking around, having a few drinks, nothing, nothing major. Um, Obviously, it wasn't a Christian back there, so we're living a bit, bit yeah. crazy, smoking, drinking, and partying and stuff. Okay. Hmm. Um, we decided we've had enough. Let's get going. And the driver, being a peep later, he had a few drinks too. And he had a, uh, a V Aero, which back then that was sort of like the bees knees, your HDT, and all that sort of stuff. Okay. Hmm. Um, and so we're we're just driving around, enjoying. It was it was a nice, it was a warm night. And going down a road called Mahoney's Road in Thomastown. Okay. And this is as. Um, they were doing a bit of work. I think there's a freeway going in there or something like that. Mm. And he's obviously stepping on it, obviously showing the car off. And I didn't have a seatbelt on at that point. And I'm really starting to feel the bumps in the road getting really hard. And I thought, wow, that, that's a bit rough. And I've looked over at the speed and we're in the high hundreds, probably like about 170, 180. Wow, well, yeah. I thought, well, I better put my seat. So I've, I've, I've clicked my seatbelt on. Yeah. And, and I, I know that as you get up to the top, just before Sydney Road, it's got a bit of a curve. 
and he's flying up there. Music's going. I said to him, "Hey, look, I won't mention names, obviously, because I've never yeah, yeah. I sort of asked for permission to use their names." Um, and I said, "Hey, slow down. Look, the the curb's just just here." And by the time he'd realised, we're probably doing like easy two hundred or just over, and we're pretty much at the curb, the corner, oh, yeah. and the whole car just spun out. And it was pretty much a blur at that point. I just remember a couple of flashes of like dust and glass shattering. And so what's happened is the car spun out a good 200 k's and gone straight between two power line poles. No way. Rolled down where they were digging out. Obviously, they dug out a massive channel where the freeway was obviously going to go through yeah. there, the old pipeworks. Yeah. And the car just rolled itself down there. And we've I've basically gotten... I was the last one to get out. I've probably just sort of like in, out of shock maybe. I just sort of blacked out for a second. Mm. But we've, we'd all gotten out of this car a big holden it looked like an oversized volkswagen the whole thing had rounded itself from rolling and tumbling Whoa. down this hill yeah um all three got out of there without a scratch without a bruise nothing <laughs> i'm covered in dust and glass but yeah. no, nothing at all and i was just i was shocked i was amazed <laughs> not not having that obviously that experience that walk with god back then but yeah we we're just completely rattled yeah you know just we, we got out with nothing yeah and i remember um the owner of the car, obviously, well, you got done over, you know, um, for, for obviously drink driving and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And he was told by the police officers when they, they caught up with us, because we'd obviously done a runner, panic is shocked, let's get well, out of here. Yeah, yeah. And they've um, caught up with us, and he said, look, you guys take off, you don't have to have any part with this. He goes, I was the one driving, I, did the, I, did, I made the mistake. Mm. So they brought him back, and, and one of them had said to him, the, the lady that actually called us about the accident said, you better get here and get some ambulances here. These cars come flying past me like at a ridiculous speed, and the things just rolled like completely just rolled down a hill. Yeah. I think that you know whoever's in the car is most likely dead. Yeah. And then she was shocked to say, "I cannot believe she's basically, like, OMG, these mm-hmm. guys have walked out of this car. We just walked out like yeah, yeah. covered in like dust in ears, dust everywhere, all over the shop. Yeah. Just glass <laughs> like you're shaking it at it close because the windows just on impact. You know they've exploded. Yeah. Yeah, and just walk. Yeah. That's so, insane. God wasn't finished with us. That's that's all it I sure can think. Wasn't. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. How do you go with those near death experiences when you when you think about the question of, you know, God seems to have saved you and your friends that night, mm. but He doesn't do that all the time. You know, what do you think about that? Oh, look, that's 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 a hard one. Yeah, that's 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 a real hard one. Um, yeah, dare I try and answer that question? Mm. I've I've really thought about things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for some reason he, yeah, he just blessed. Yeah. For for what reason we'll spare? You know, I thank God that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It, things could have ended for us all that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can't know all the answers to these things. I think we, mm. our minds are very limited compared to that of God. Mm. He knows why he does these things and why he doesn't do others. But, mm. mate, I'm glad to see that you're you're still alive, <laughs> and I'm, I'm I'm really glad that he intervened that night. Are there any massive challenges that you've kind of had on that journey with God where you just go, man, that was really, really rough, but God carried me through? Yeah, I'd say with my marriage. Right. Yeah, my wife really took took it pretty hard. And I, and I don't blame her when I look back now. Um, yeah, I was, I was pretty, I was hard-headed to begin with, but yeah. I just, I took it to another level. Mm. So she's seen her husband of 10 years, 11 years just go from, you know, one person to a complete other mm-hmm. and even though she knew something was going on there she couldn't get her head around why I'm doing what I'm doing um, yeah as I look back now I, I can't see either but yeah. It, it, it yeah it just made it really hard 
Yeah. It made it really hard so for that her. She that couldn't period, get her head around it. That was that period where you kind of went on your own, sort of trying to impress God, Johnny. Is that yeah. what you're describing yeah. there? Yeah, yeah just okay. just taking research uh, from from individuals that not all things relate to everybody. It, it, not everyone falls into the same basket. Yeah. Um, what I'd read maybe was an advantage to some, but not for all. Um, but with my family, obviously, it's like I—it's like God had whistled and called me over. So I've just jumped on the, on, on the bandwagon. And I've taken off and I've left them behind in a sense, and yeah, okay. and I'm just yeah. sort of you know going through the motions, and and it didn't allow them to sort of sort of experience that that which I'd experienced in the in the in the first place. It's mm. I just threw all this stuff in there, and, and it just I just made life difficult for them. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And my wife just had enough after a while, and yeah, once I'd pretty much gotten to the very bottom is when God stepped in and he started to clean up the mess we tried created <laughs> and I remember praying once I was upstairs in the room and saying God like I really need your help like, you know things are a mess and they're all over the place and I said to him like what should I do you know and not expecting to hear anything and it was it was as clear as the noonday sun and he said um, love your wife stop thinking about yourself wow. it wasn't a scream it wasn't like an angry voice it was just just so you, clear and, and so God crisp. literally spoke to you and said those words well Something unseen spoke to me and said those words. So an angel God, yeah. All right, yeah. yeah. So, but definitely not you hearing a voice after you've popped a few too many pills. Nah, no, yeah. No. So God speaks to you, and and after that, what what do you do with that? You know, God says, say, say it again. What? Love your wife. Love your wife. Stop thinking about Stop yourself. Thinking about yourself. What do you do with that? That was really hard to try and get my head around. Yeah. Um, because that's all it was. It didn't come with an information pamphlet of where, yeah, where to go from not that. a lot of words. It's yeah, not like he gave so, you a serious instruction set. That's where faith steps in. It's it's knowing that yeah, he will he, he will guide me through it. It's just um, just having that that mindset, knowing that I need to now focus on my family, and that's where it all began. Okay, I need to love my wife. I'm doing something wrong here. What is it that I'm doing? I didn't know, but it was just it was a daily thing. It's a daily thing. It wasn't an instant. It's not like the you know the matter of two days and suddenly everything was peachy cream. Yeah. You know, we're talking you know years, years mm-hmm. have gone past, mm-hmm. um, and and it's still um, it's still a work in progress. But uh, yeah, definitely things are things are much better. Yeah. Um, things have uh, on themselves. That it's it's me really just stepping out of the way. You can't say giving up, but I'd sort of threw in a towel at trying to run the show, right. where I'd said it. Uh, I think earlier on, I'd, I'd sent the Holy Spirit on holidays because mm-hmm. I'd sort of tried to take the reins. Yeah. I was like, God, please take over. I've, I've just made a mess of everything, really. Um, and, and that's where things started to wind out and get better. I think it's a male tendency in particular. Probably, yeah. <laughs> where we just go, man, I really you know, want to be a strong male you know, leader and I want to, want to mm. make sure everything's done right and you know, want to secure a good future for my family. And, mm. But in that in that zeal to to lead to a good outcome, a good path, mm. I think sometimes we do forget to allow space for the Holy Spirit to come in and just do yeah. his do his work. He knows best. He has much more wisdom than we have, and the power to fulfil um, you know, what needs to be done. But yeah. I think that's a, that's a common story that I hear from people who have mm. jumped on board with God. They just go all out. It's like the Peter of, of uh, you know, one of Peter's, um, one of Jesus' disciples was called Peter. And uh, you look at Peter and many times when you read about him in scripture, he's this guy who's just like, 
Jesus, you want me to go do this? I'm going to do 10 times what you asked me to do. And mm. I'm going to do it all. And I'm going to show you how awesome I can be. And then Jesus is like, uh, bro, I didn't actually ask you to do that. I said that I would do that for you. Mm. And then Peter steps back and he goes, oh, what? Why, sh- why, why shouldn't I do it? Like, I'm pretty good. <laughs> um, but it's a common thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, when it when it comes to your journey with God, do you see some sort of purpose playing out in your life so far? Like, does God have a clear purpose that he's brought about in your experience? Do you have a sense of, like, where he's leading you in your life? There's nothing that really stands out, and I've thought about this a lot because you hear of a lot of people talk about, no, this is like my gift, i got this, and i do that, and, and it's very crystal clear to some, but with me, no, not necessarily, mm. other than being obviously um, an example to my family, trying to be that loving husband and father. Yeah. Um, nothing, no, not really. I, th- I think there's just so much that the Lord is trying to, to mend at the moment, mm. maybe things with our, our own lives. Uh, yeah. My family and I that, that trying to get us to a certain point before changes take place. I, look, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think sometimes we don't realize what our purpose is until we look back at the end of it all. Um, Just maybe. Yeah, but I think you've described it um, very well, and that's what I see in you. As looking looking in from a third person's perspective, um, I see someone who God has called to be a, a great father and a great husband. Um, and I also think that he has other plans for you in terms of um, his church. And I think that he's already fulfilling that. Um, you know, there are a lot of young people in our church here um, in this place where we're recording this podcast. We're in Melbourne at the moment. Um, there's a bunch of young people that when I ask them, oh, who would you like to see on Friday night at our youth program? They're like, oh, um, is Zed going to be there? And I'm like, huh, that's cool. You know, you're someone that um, I think God has placed for a purpose in the um, community here to look up to and just be a, a strong example of Jesus. So, uh, not to pump you up or anything, no, but no. but I reckon that when I look at you, I go, yep, Zed, God's purpose for him, one of his purposes is um, leading young people closer to him. And uh, I really see that sort of playing out already, even in these early days. Thanks, mate. <laughs> hey, is there anything else you want to um, share with, with people before we sort of finish this whole thing up? Any sort of message that you just say, hey, take this away with you? Yeah, I know, look, uh, I think, yeah, just overall Christianity, I know it's challenging, um, but uh, just don't give up. I think the worst thing anyone can do, I think it's just with anything in life, is, is throwing the towel. Mm-hmm. Is throwing the towel. Yep. Don't give up, just continue to strive. Mm. God will carry you through. It's once you learn that it's not in your own hands, it's not in your own strength, um, it becomes a lot easier and a lot more beautiful. You're telling me that Christianity isn't like you accept Jesus in your life and then it's like all amazing from there and easy and like you become <laughs> rich and... No, 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 I haven't experienced that. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, thanks so much for joining us um, on the show and uh, we look forward to seeing how God just continues to pump you up and work in your future, mate. God bless you. Thanks for having me. No